What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Jay Drain of Maven Ventures. Maven is a seed stage fund that's made a name for itself as one of the best consumer focused funds out there with a portfolio consisting of names like Zoom, Cruise, AngelList, just to name a few. Jay is a rising star in the venture world and we wanted to have him on to pick his brain on a number of topics. In this talk, we discuss synthesizing thoughts through writing, the platformification of Zoom, the emergence of vertical social networks, and thoughts on retail investing 3.0. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. I got one of my my closest homies for a, a decade now on the podcast with us, Jay Drain. And uh, he's representing the shy, representing all the folks who can make business insider more than once <laughs> in a week. <laughs> and, oh my God. Uh, he's honestly just like a really great person. So thank you so much for joining us, Jay. Wow, man, that's crazy. It has been 10 years. But yeah, more than happy to. I'm honored to, to be on the Confluence VC podcast. Yeah, man, we've been trying to get you on here for a while. So we've been trying to plot on the best times to get you on here, but you were still bubbling up and we wanted to let some of these big wins come out first. So look, to get things started, I guess I should just, just say you're working at one of the best early stage firms in the country at Maven and you're uh, putting up numbers. And I would love to just give you uh, one or two minutes to give us some insight into your path and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, of course. At, at the core, I'm a Chicago kid, born and raised. Went to Amherst College and graduated in 2018. After Amherst, I worked at Goldman Sachs for two years on a desk called Cross Asset Sales, which where I got to cover some of the biggest and baddest hedge funds in, in the game. In my heart of hearts, I always knew the job wasn't like for me long term, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do next. Fast forward to summer of 2020, and one of my friends whose, whose name rhymes with Dialer Teen uh, introduced, <laughs> introduced me to Paul Brico at Amplify LA, a free seed shop based in LA. And I joined Amplify LA as a summer associate and had an amazing couple of months there, just getting my feet wet in the venture world. And then I ultimately joined Maven Ventures full time as an associate in the fall. Yeah, man, I remember that whole decision process and just how fast that turned up. What that, that was like the 4th of July. Yeah, it was crazy. All around, man, it's beautiful. Crazy. But that, man, let's be honest, you quickly rose into this VC role and you've been killing it and become one of the bigger names in less than a year. But is you been doing that before you came into the space. So you want to talk about the venture blog that you were running before this and how you were putting up numbers and how it was a lob to get you into Amplify? Yeah, that's super kind of you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely been a little interested in the space since before I actually landed the role, which is, I guess, the advice people give all the time. But it's a funny story. So around kind of December 2019, January 2020, I had an idea for a consumer social app. So in my hours outside of Goldman, I started working on that. But quite frankly, I had 
zero idea what I was doing. I just had a 40 page Google doc and a bunch of wireframes I designed, but I didn't know how to use Figma. I couldn't code to save my life or anything. So it's funny because I only really told a handful of my closest friends uh, about it. And Tyler, I think you're like the second <laughs> person I told them. Um, anyways, COVID-19 hit and I realized working on that app in the middle of a pandemic wasn't the best idea, but in the few months I spent working on it, it was kind of my introduction to the tech ecosystem and I fell in love with it right away. And from there, that, that kind of passion led to the writing, because if you look across the venture and startup space, you don't typically see a ton of folks who went to small liberal arts schools like Amherst. And my major was a blend of law and poli-sci. So I've always considered myself a really strong writer and that's often how I synthesize my thoughts. And so in the spring, I remember like Clubhouse was getting some buzz and Twitter was thinking about releasing their voice tweets. And I was like, wow, this is a, this is a super crazy moment for audio. So I just jotted down some thoughts and threw them up on Medium and it got a pretty good response. And since then I've written a handful of other posts across Medium and, and now Substack. And it's really just like a fun way for me to document my thoughts and, and also a way to, to engage with new people like other investors. And you also get a sense of like, all right, maybe I was completely wrong about this, or maybe this was right. <laughs> People engage with stuff, so it's cool. Kill it, man. Your pieces were of better quality from you coming from a background of building an app and working in uh, hedge fund coverage, and you were killing most VCs. How about for, for a sec, we dive a bit into Maven and how the firm has quickly emerged as one of the leading C-States firms? Yeah, definitely. So Maven, seed stage firm, we're small but mighty team of four investors. We focus on consumer software and that sounds like a, a small focus area, but for us, it's really pretty broad and it's included autonomous vehicles, some digital health, consumer social, food tech, some consumer fintech, and just a bunch of other things. And I think we've really emerged in the last few years, particularly because of our, our Zoom investment. We were one of the first few checks in, in Zoom. And I can tell that story because it, it's a really fun one and people always love it. But our founding partner, Jim Scheinman, met Zoom's CEO, Eric Yuan, back in 2010, 2011. And I believe Eric left Cisco to start Zoom because the folks at Cisco didn't really see his vision. And at the time, the video space was like crazy competitive with Skype and WebEx. And despite that, Jim saw Eric's vision and he believed in him as an entrepreneur. And, and he was one of the first few checks as an angel. And two years later, when Jim formed Maven, our fund seed invested in Zoom as well. So the coolest part is that Jim actually named Zoom. His children ha have a book called Zoom City that, that he still keeps in the background of all of our, our Zoom calls and meetings. He used to read them that book all the time and, and he really wanted to name a startup Zoom. So he gave the name to, to Eric Yuan and the rest is history, as they say. I feel it. Man, that's beautiful. Not many people can, can name drop on that. Y'all also did Cruise, Angelus, and a whole bunch of other things that are defining uh, consumer existence, yeah. let alone just like the, the, the experience. Definitely. So what I want to dive, I really want to go into Angelus and Cruise and all these other companies, like given how big Zoom is becoming COVID, mm -hmm. uh, just would have become anyway. I would love to talk about how you all have been taking the ecosystem approach. So like, we see people build on top of Slack, on top of Shopify, on top of Facebook, et cetera. But Zoom has emerged as the new, the new platform or ecosystem to build on top of. You all have done a few investments that could become huge that are built on top of Zoom. You want to talk about that thesis or some of the companies? Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. We, we have a, a blog post explaining that and the whole thesis uh, coming out soon. But in 2020, we made eight investments and all of them were in startups that are built on top of Zoom's platform or deeply integrate with Zoom because uh, we believe that Zoom is is 
pretty pretty primed to be the next big consumer tech platform. So I guess the broader thesis is essentially like we haven't seen a new disruptive platform in consumer tech since the mobile internet. We all know the crazy unprecedented adoption that Zoom saw in 2020 going from 10 million daily meeting participants to 300 million in just a couple of months when COVID hit. And obviously like mass adoption is first step to becoming a new platform. That's the first part of the thesis, the mass adoption. Secondly, the CEO, Eric Yuan is, is really building the amazing infrastructure to make Zoom a platform, the most robust platform possible. And that's where it really gets interesting because there's three different parts to the Zoom ecosystem as we see it that really have us excited. And forgive me if it's not super clear because it gets a tad bit technical, but the first is the Zoom app marketplace, which uh, should be launching the next month or so. And, and that's an open platform where, where apps can be built by like third-party developers who can use Zoom to enhance their users' full experience. It's essentially just this crazy powerful distribution channel for both third-party and Zoom-built apps and integrations. The second part is of the ecosystem is Zoom apps, formerly known as Zaps. And these are the apps that are directly integrated within the Zoom platform. And it allows users to bring all of their apps, professional, personal, social, whatever, into the Zoom experience without having to switch between different applications on their desktop. And that just widely expands the range of use cases and distribution methods. And then the last part is Zoom's customizable SDK. For those that don't know, SDK stands for Software Development Kit. And for a platform to have this really strong suite of apps, developers need tools to build these apps. Just like think about that. The app store, the Apple's app store. Uh, and so Zoom offers two SDKs. One is a Zoom meetings SDK, which is the Zoom meetings is what we all use and interact with every day. And that allows developers to bring a Zoom meeting into a third-party app, into another app. And the second is a fully customizable SDK. So developers can create entirely new third-party apps that use Zoom's video or Zoom's audio as a service. And, and that kind of rounds out our thesis. And some of our investments are already crushing it. We Class Technologies launched literally less than a year ago, and they just raised a $30 million Series A to help teachers and students just make the most out of virtual classrooms and really boost engagement of students. And then Pledge, which is like the stripe for charity, they just last week, they powered a clubhouse fundraiser that raised nearly $80,000 for, for Texans in need and in kind of lieu of all the winter storms. So we're really excited about all of the investments. Wow. That's phenomenal, brother. I had no clue that Zoom was going this hard. Yeah, man. I thought they were just focusing on making sure that they had the bandwidth to, 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 to uh, support the growth, but. <laughs> no, ah. they're going crazy. <laughs> it's, fun. it's fun to watch. I feel it. Well, we're, we're on Zoom now. And uh, one more <laughs> shout out. And let's pivot a little bit. Yep. So one of our favorite people in the venture landscape is Tasha over at Marcy. Actually, shout out to the whole team. Yeah, shout out to Tasha. You and Tasha put together one of the biggest consumer trend reports this year. You want to talk about that just a bit? I, we covered it a little bit when she was here, but what mm -hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts or, or your opinion on is just like the experience of putting that together and ask you if you'll be doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, huge shout out to Tasha, like you said. For, for those that don't know, Tasha also went to Amherst. So um, shout out to Amherst as well. And she's someone that knows internet trends and, and, and consumer brands better than anyone I know. And so like my thinking around that piece was like, there's just so much that happened in consumer in 2020. And everyone was like, oh, consumer might be back. It's just crazy. 
And so I wanted to compile what I thought were the most salient themes, but I knew it'd be a heavy lift. So I hit up Tasha and luckily we had both started in venture roughly around the same time. And we just went to work on that. And the whole process was super fun because it was a bunch of time. We spent a bunch of time on FaceTime and Zoom because we, I guess we worked on it for probably three weeks to a month total to get it out in December. And we we're also really lucky enough to have our friends edit and give us feedback on it. So huge shout out to Faye, Gabby, Leah, Mark, and and the other Leah at Primary for helping us with that. And I definitely hope it's something that I, that I can do again because it was a ton of fun. Leah, Faye, Gabby, Mark, and the other Leah, like I said, like I had known tangentially, but to actually work with them, definitely like deepen those relationships. And I think it's a great way to meet other new investors. And, and get closer. I definitely hope to do it again. I'm just gonna put it out there. I just talked to Faye yesterday and just had her on over at our shackle. And Mark, we had him on as well. He's one of my favorite folks out in LA and just generally adventure as well. Do not be surprised if in less than three or four years, these people have one of the best consumer funds in the country together. Just letting y'all know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they, they right. awesome. Yeah, man. Y'all got a y'all got a, a really solid game that you're putting together over there. Let's see what else. Speaking of consumer, we talked a lot behind the scenes surrounding consumer social landscapes. You've easily been one of the most knowledgeable people I've heard on the topic. Any insight you can provide on these new vertical social networks that are emerging? Yeah, I'm really excited about the consumer social landscape. We've made a, a couple investments in consumer social at Maven, and it's just an area that I, I naturally gravitate towards. And, and one of the areas I'm most excited about is vertical social networks. And <clears throat> I definitely think there's room for another one or two because there's there's such an abundance of content out there. And, and I remember Gabby talked about this on the podcast and also it's written on just like curated, curation being the kind of new creation. But I think that applies on like the social application layer as well. And I think it really comes to mind for me in music and food. And those are two areas I'm most excited about as far as consumer social. I think if you think about music, everyone uses Spotify, Apple Music for their streaming. And neither of those experiences are social at all. But music is such a social and fun and engaging experience. And just like how Netflix and Hulu are curators of the best video content, essentially, I think there's a huge opportunity for people to, to curate the best music and make it a really social uh, experience. And I think, shout out to Tony Lashley, you know, a fellow New Yorker, and he's doing this right now with an app called Marine Snow. So I'm super excited about that and, and just really excited about innovation and, and music and, and how it pertains to, to consumer social. And the other one I mentioned is food. I think our experience with food, finding, dining, cooking, reviewing, et cetera, is just super, super fragmented. And if you think about it, for at least this is my like personal food stack. For, for ratings and reviews, I use the infatuation. For photos and videos, I post and I see my friends posting on Instagram. I'm not a huge TikTok guy, but I see the tutorials on TikTok sometimes. For recipes, we all use New York Times or Bon Appetit. And food is really just also inherently social, like music. So I think there's a huge opportunity to bundle some of those experiences. And there are a few folks trying to do it, but I haven't really seen anything that I'm super, I'm super big on yet. So that's a space I'm going to be watching really closely as well. Oh, man, that's beautiful. I actually think you're right on, on target. There's definitely a huge opportunity for those to all be aggregated on the one platform and for the connectivity there to be strengthened. You also are pretty strong on retail investing, no? Yeah, definitely. You want to talk about this? Uh, you know, it's so funny because it's like, who's to say what's 2.0, 1.0, 3.0? It's like from my like historical uh, perspective, I'd be like, we're on like version 7,626.0, but whatever. But like, 
recently there's been like, a, there's been this whole emergence of the retail investing 3.0. Yeah. And I'm just now starting to dive into it. This is something that you've been hype on for a while now. You want to give us a quick overview of what that is and give us some insights and trends or whatever you got for us? Yeah, definitely. I'm putting together some content on the graphic that, I, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet out and hopefully I can coin retail investing 3.0 and have that have that trademark to Jay Drain. But I think if you haven't heard about NBA Top Shot or, or in art NFTs in, in the past few weeks, you've probably been like living under a rock. So this is something that, that I've been thinking about way since I was back at Amplify, actually, because I've always really enjoyed exploring the intersection of culture and capital or just culture and broader consumer tech. I had this thesis that we're currently in the world of retail investing 3.0 uh, within consumer fintech. So the 2000s for 1.0. Uh, and that was defined by online brokerages that were really desktop native. It was like only stocks. It was really high commission and high friction. So like back then, and in the 90s too, you had to call your broker and go through this extensive process online just to place an order and make a trade. 1.0 included the likes of Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, E-Trade, and all of their respective trading platforms. 2.0 happened in the 2010s. And with 2.0, in, in the latter half, we saw a transition from desktop to mobile. We also saw the rise of robo-advisors in 2.0. And also the kind of early adoption of, of the, these alternative assets like real estate and crypto. So technologies that define 2.0 were Wealthfront, Betterment, Fundrise, CrowdStreet, and there's another one I'm, I'm blanking on, Acorns. And then at, at the very end of 2.0, there's also... <clears throat> There's also Robinhood and Coinbase and, and Webull in China, which also crept into to 3.0 and, and what we know today. So where we're at now, uh, the 2020s are, are defining 3.0. And that's really this world of new alternative assets, which includes NFTs and what I like to call cultural assets, which are art, wine, sneakers, cars, collectibles, et cetera. And 3.0 is really mobile native. It, it's social. It's, it's often gamified and educational, and it's really optimized for UX because there's this, obviously, Gen Zs, if you think about the whole GameStop and Wall Street Bets Reddit saga, like, it's, it was driven by a ton of young people. And it's also incredibly low barrier, which means, like, just low accreditation requirements so everyone can participate, everyone can get in on, on the fun and the action. And the companies leading 3.0 right now are Rally, Otis, Masterworks, Mythic Markets with collectibles and, and public... And then NBA Top Shot as well, as we've seen on Twitter. So that's kind of my retail uh, investing 3.0 thesis. I feel it. I feel it. We also got to shout out our buddy, our buddy Miles at Rapunzel from Chicago. Another yeah, one. Rapun Rapunzel, they're definitely falling into that more educational layer. And they're doing some amazing work in Chicago. And they were, they were on the, the NASDAQ billboard a couple months ago. So, so huge yeah. shout out to Miles. Miles, we love you. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Cool, man. I, I feel like me and you have been going back and forth. We do this just because I, I probably would have called you this morning if we didn't even have a call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Clay, say what's good, man. Take us into the quick far round, put up some numbers, give some thoughts. And also, Jay, if you have any questions for us, go ahead and spread on. Yeah, for sure. So, Jay, we do these at the end, meant to be answered in two sentences or less. We don't have a great hit rate on actually having them <laughs> be answered in two sentences or less, but that's the goal. I'll try my best. So, first question we have, what's a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice? 
Oh, that's a good one. All right, two sentences or less. I'm a huge fan of building in public, but I think sometimes it's gotten out of control in some cases. So I think there's a lot of benefit to moving in silence sometimes. So yeah, yeah, real G's moving in silence lasagna, as they say. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's kind of against the grain of what you hear from everybody else. I like that. Next one in the last year, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your life? Journaling for sure. Uh, I started journaling back in March when COVID first hit, and it's it's actually changed my life. It, it's made me so much more reflective. It's helped me like work on just personal accountability and stuff. So I journal every night uh, for at least like 10 minutes, and, and it's done wonders for me. Yeah, I think that's good. Do you do it throughout the day, or is it just once at night? Just once at night. I have a, little, I have a reminder on my iPhone uh, that goes off every day at like 10 p.m., and I jump into the journal and try and, try and get stuff in there. Nice. That's good. Next one, aside from having to say no all the time, what's the worst part about venture? Ooh, having to say no is, is by far the worst part. And it just, man, past emails are tough. I'd say imposter syndrome. I think being like five, six months into venture, that's still something I, I really struggle with. And it's also fun to not be, to always feel like you're one of the least smart people in the room because the founders you're talking to obviously know they spend, it's their life's work building their companies. But imposter syndrome is definitely something that I still struggle with. Same. I don't know shit. Um. <laughs> I feel like I've just gotten really comfortable like acknowledging that I don't know anything. Yeah, um, I think you have to for sure. Yeah. All right, next one. Best piece of advice for junior VCs or those aspiring to break into venture? Junior VCs. I think something that was helpful for me is like knowing my strength. Okay, I'm, I'm a good writer and these are the areas that I'm really interested in and playing into those. So I would say know your strengths and, and just really play play into those totally that might, that might be bad advice some people might say just work on your weaknesses but no i think it's good whatever. i think it's just play to your strengths and do something different than other people because it seems like a lot of people have the same approach of how to break into venture just like anything you can do to differentiate yourself from that pack for sure all play into your strengths that seems like the right way to do it i don't think there's a standard way to break into venture but Definitely like not. Anything you can do to increase your odds, obviously, is a good thing. Definitely. All right. Last question here on the quick fire stuff. Who is a mentor that you would want to give credit to? Mentor, mentor. Oh, Sean Legister. I don't want this to sound like an Amherst commercial. He's an Amherst grad from back 2010. He's been super instrumental through me, just like for me, just professionally and personally. He works at Goldman now and he's been there every step of the way for me since I graduated from Amherst. So it's a huge shout out to Sean Legister. Nice. Does Amherst have a strong presence in tech or is it mostly geared more towards banking consulting? It's a lot of people that go into banking and consulting. The, it's actually crazy. The, the two, two, one of the people from Amherst who's in, who's in venture now is Andrew Reed at Sequoia. And, and he was the, the youngest, Sequoia's youngest partner ever. He, he went to Goldman, was, was in banking first. And shout out to Andrew Reed if he's listening. Definitely love to connect. And, and his twin. Everybody tag him on his <laughs> post. <laughs> if, you, if you're listening to this, hit up Andrew Reed and tell him that I would love to talk to him. And then he has a brother, Will Reed, who I think is a partner at Spark. But aside from that, there's not really many folks from Amherst that, that have built huge or, or really prominent careers in venture. So hopefully Tasha and I can take care of that. Yeah, that'd be sick.
We'll do. That's all of the quick fire questions. Whoa, whoa. I, I thought I got a chance to ask you guys some questions. Yeah, too. yeah, I'm about, I'm about to finish with that. Yeah, we're trying to do a better job. <laughs> yeah, not just being the only ones asking questions. So with that said, you got anything that you're dying to ask us? Yeah, I would love to hear about you guys' kind of collaboration process on Confluence. The Slack channel is just crazy robust. You guys have a bunch of good, good content. You're, uh, you're rolling out the kind of the syndicate stuff as well. I'm curious as to what it's like working with each other on that. Tyler, you want to go first? Do you want to know about what we're doing or how it is working together? How, how is it working together? <laughs> Clay, actually, Clay, this one's for Clay. Clay, what is it like yeah. working with Tyler <laughs> and having, to, having to jump on Zoom or FaceTime with this man from Mexico? Yeah, no, dude, it's been good. I think we're figuring out and like better understanding each other's work styles. I think we, at first, we were just like constantly jumping on calls with each other to get stuff done. And I think now we're doing a better job being able to do stuff asynchronously. But I think we still talk like on average three or four times a day. I literally talk to Tyler more than I talk to my girlfriend at this point. <laughs> I'm dead. But dude, it's been good. I feel like over the past nine months, like this thing has evolved so much and it's just been iterating and doubling down on the ideas that work. Cause like we literally started out and we we're just like, all right, we want this resource library to be really robust and helpful for people that are junior VCs. And then like quickly realized we could layer on a networking component on top of that and collect some investor data to make it easier for people to collaborate. And then from that, it's like, all right, we can spin up a community out of this. And then like from there, you go into the content strategy and now we're launching the next phase of growth, which is syndicates and opportunities for companies to submit data to Confluence and kind of leverage the investor network that we have. So like the evolution of that has been a lot of back and forth between Tyler and myself and now with the Common App stuff, we've looped in Cole as well, but it's been cool, dude. I think I've learned a ton from Tyler. I think we're both learning like how to best work completely remotely with each other because like We've never met in person. Which never. So isn't, isn't, it, isn't it just like the reality of that so crazy? I've never met any of my teammates at Maven in person either. Yeah, dude, it's bizarre. I was, I was onboarded to Mucker completely remotely. I've met one, of, one member on the team for literally one day and just walked her through all the work that I was doing. And then we continued the conversation. But everybody else, it's been only email, phone, or Zoom. But what if like after COVID, we all meet these people that we've been working with so closely and they're like, either like just super tall or super short and not yeah. like, or they just they smell really bad <laughs> and you're just like yo it's not what i expected it six five it's tyler's like, mad tall in case you didn't know that yeah we're we're tyler will dunk five. on you for sure clay is a d1 athlete he's a real hooper in a starting oh, quarterback oh, we got a hoop for sure yeah dude let's do it bro let's put together a league let's put together a conference league should we go down should we fly down to mexico and play with tyler Mexico, and all we can get we can get like six bedroom houses for like six hundred bucks, and they are on top of a sports complex. <laughs> so we can get like five of them and just invite teams. Let's do it. I'm all about it. I'm in the league right now. Yo, check out my jersey. I have confluence on the back. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know I gotta rep the squad. Look, let me answer this real quick. Look, man, it's been awesome. I think Clay is like a phenomenal structure, structure executor. And I'm like a wild idea, think about X steps ahead, figure out somehow how we can get in front of the people we need to get in front of kind of person. 
and meshing those two things together is like vision plus like very tactile execution and us both just being generally incredibly curious and friendly people that have a pretty large risk appetite (laughs) Uh, made it to where like in nine months we've effectively been able to stand up the infrastructure for either a lasting branded community or even a a really competitive community driven fund so we're just we're just excited man and in terms of common app we think that we're going to democratize access to vcs for, for founders and we think that we're going to make the job of a VC much easier in terms of them raising money and in terms of them having optionality for their founders and getting deal flow that's actually relevant. And then in terms of syndicates, it's coming real soon, but we're going to make it to where like the economic structure for junior investors is no longer flipped on its head. Like you want wow. people to be able to get proportionate economics for the work they do because wow. partners, y'all out there, y'all messing up, not giving people <laughs> underpaying them relative to private equity and hedge funds and growth <laughs> equity. And it's time for us to solve that. So we'll, we've heard everyone, we saw the comp survey results, which are to everyone out there who thinks your VC friends are ballers, not true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Yo. so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. Maybe we'll do a podcast and we talk about it with some of our best friends. I know it, it's going to be crazy useful for junior investors. So everybody stay tuned. Stay tuned real, real soon. We'll be getting Jay's of his stamp is on it. He'll tell us what sucks and what doesn't. <laughs> For sure. Everybody stay safe. Wear a mask. Floss every day. True. Floss twice. Thank you again for the time. We'll hit you with the recording of this and end soon. For sure. Love. Love you. See you guys. Huge thanks again to Jay for coming on this week, and we hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. We've linked all of Jay's social info within the description below, as well as his Substack. You can also find his contact info within the Confluence BC directory. For next steps, if you're an investor and have not already signed up to join, we encourage you to check out our website at www.confluence.vc to submit your info to become a member. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to reach out directly either to Tyler at tyler at gpv.com or myself at clay at muckercapital.com. Hope to hear from you all soon.